Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. We're going to talk today about revealing gifts. Everybody say revealing gifts. Everybody say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. That's not a bad thing. Revealing gifts. We're going to come in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. And if you have you version, you can turn there. We're working on a new set of notes that are actually tied to our church app. And uh, we're doing some pilot testing on that now. But hopefully soon we'll be able to have those notes uh, in our uh, church app and uh, that you can save and go back to and so forth. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. And if you're there, shout out a good amen and stand to the reading to your feet for the reading of God's word. A good amen. I love that, Rob. Amen. A good amen. So we're going to talk about, everybody shout it out again, revealing gifts. Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. Remember now, just prior to reading this, there are ministry or leadership gifts that God places, Jesus does in the body, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, 15, depending on how you want to take that passage. Also, there are natural gifts that we're born with, like hospitality or administration or things found in Romans. But these, these gifts, I'm going to break them down the next three weeks and what they are and, and talk about each one of them. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11, the Bible reads, that, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Again, if you're in each... One, then that means you are available for the Spirit of God to work through you for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, works all these things Watch this, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I love that. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that we are not alone and that we don't have a spirit of fear. I thank you that you are risen, our risen Lord, God. And I I praise your name today. I thank you and I pray you would anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. I pray let this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, if it's a paper Bible or online on your phone, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, Anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody as you're being seated and say, God's going to give you a gift. Yeah, God's going to give you a gift. Praise the Lord. There are two Greek words in the New Testament for spiritual gifts. One is pneumatikios, which is, means spiritual things and spiritual enablements. And it's found, that particular word, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 and in verse 12. The other is charismata, which means enablements or gifts of grace. Everybody say it's a gift of grace. So spiritual gifts or spiritual enablements, either word, means that they're simply gifts of grace. 
but not that we earn. They are the grace of God for the betterment of all. So the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the third category of gifts, these manifestation gifts, which are spiritual enablements. They are gifts of grace, if you will, sovereignly residing in the Holy Spirit. These gifts operate spontaneously as the Holy Spirit wills. He can operate through any believer for any particular time, for any particular reason, for any particular person. It's as He wills, and they are spontaneously moved upon. These gifts operate not only spontaneously, but they operate for the benefit of others. And there's got there's a balance to this. So I want to talk a little bit about balance before I get into breaking each one down. A car was seen on the highway, and on the left-hand side of the bumper, there was a bumper sticker that said, follow me to Rehoboth Baptist Church. found it interesting that it was Rehoboth, but Rehoboth Baptist Church. On the right-hand side, it said, nuke Iran. So follow me to church and be saved as long as you're not an Iranian Muslim. In which case, we really preferably hope to blast you into oblivion so that you can't be saved. We really want to banish you to hell, but everyone else can come be saved. Amen? Isn't that what the two bumper stickers are saying? Basically, that's what it is. So we've got to have balance. There's got to be a balance in what we do in life, and there's got to be a balance when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Don't confuse balance and maturity with a loss of faith either. You cannot excuse immaturity excess because we want to water it down. Paul struggled with his balance. In his first letter to the Corinthians, he said, Guys, he said, like, you can't sleep with your mother-in-law. You can't have drunken orgies. You can't do some of these things. What is wrong with you? Then several years pass by, and he writes, he realizes they've gone way so far this way that they're out of balance. And he writes a second letter to the Corinthians, and he said, hey, you remember the guy? He said, don't banish the guy to hell either. So don't do all these things over here, but don't banish everyone to hell either. There's got to be balance. Everybody say balance. So it's like a speed skater. How many of you ever watched the, the Winter Olympics are coming? And I actually like the Winter Olympics myself better than I do the Summer Olympics. But they're coming up in February. And have you ever seen the speed skaters? Have you ever seen how they operate? It's perfect balance. Now, y'all are going to love this illustration because I'm going to show you how this works. So what do they do? They, and then, right? And it's balance. I think everybody ought to stand and try it. What do they do, right? So they don't just skate down the middle. What do they do? It's balance. They're pushing off right here, and then they're pushing off right here. And it's balance. And the one who has keeps the best balance and the most power and speed, so you're coupling power, speed, and balance together is probably the one who's going to win, right? Everybody see this? Everybody's looking at me like I've got two horns on my head today. And while that may be true... I think everybody should at least do the motions. Come on, everybody. At least do the motions. I'm looking now. I'm looking. Right? It's balance. There's balance when it comes to an atmosphere of faith. What do I mean by that? We've got to have an atmosphere of faith. We need to have a setting where we believe for miracles, where the Spirit of God is free to do what He wants. On the other hand, we cannot have such chaos that every fruitcake in town premieres at our church. There's got to be balance. Somebody say balance. Is it all right to preach? The line is always moving. 
And doesn't mean just because somebody operated correctly in the, in the gift of the Spirit today, it doesn't mean they have a market on it tomorrow. Wasn't it Simon Peter that said, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, well done. He said, you know, hey, I know God revealed this to you. In other words, I've been walking with you long enough, Peter. I know you didn't figure this one out on your own. I know it's been revealed by God. Well, Simon Peter's feeling a little big-headed, and Jesus says, I'm about to suffer. And he pulls him to the side, and he says, no, it'll never happen. And what does Jesus do? He was just commending him, and now he's looking at Simon Peter and saying, get away from me, Satan, calling him Satan. In other words, Jesus is creating that balance there. We've got to stay in the balance of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. And the problem is the line is always moving. So Jesus, more than any other man on this earth, walked full of the Holy Spirit, yet he had balance, and the line of balance moved for Jesus. So let me prove it to you. A woman gets caught in the very act of adultery, they bring her before him, and he pretty well blows it off. Okay, you guys, are the, for no sin in your life, you cast the first stone. All right, lady, where's all your condemners? Oh, you don't have any? Okay, I don't condemn you either. Go sin no more. Get it right. You'll be, God bless you. But then he walks into the temple, and the worst thing they're doing is jacking up the prices a turtle does, and he loses his mind. He makes a cord of whip, a whip of cords. He throws money tables over. He drives the people out of the temple. He loses his mind because they're jacking up the prices on some stuff. The balance and the line is always moving. Is this okay to preach like this today? Keep this balance in line now as I'm thinking, talking about this. As we talk about these nine gifts of the Spirit, we're going to hit the first three today. So the name of the gifts are this, the word of wisdom. The emphasis is not on wisdom. The emphasis is on word. Everybody say word. The emphasis is on the word of wisdom. The same with the word of knowledge. The emphasis is on the word of knowledge, not knowledge and not wisdom, but the word. There's faith, there's healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation. So how do we... A word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment of spirits, those are revealing gifts... These three reveal. They reveal wisdom you didn't have before. They reveal some kind of word of knowledge you didn't have before. And they reveal a discerning of spirits. The second category, which I'll preach next week, is on faith, healing, and miracles. These are demonstrating gifts, or these three do. They do something. They're demonstrating something. And then the third category, which we'll do in two weeks, prophecy, Tongues, interpretation of tongues. These are expression or speaking gifts. These three say. So you have three reveal, three that do, and three that speak. And there's powerful, and they're all powerful in and of themselves and needed at different times in different ways. Everybody got that so far? Say a good amen. So let's examine each gift individually. But before I even get in that, these gifts are God given. They are given by the Holy Spirit. And just because there's an order in the Bible doesn't mean one's greater and one's least. There's no less gift. There's no greater gift. They're just simply nine gifts of the Spirit. 
And I want to tell you something. There are teachings out there in certain circles of Christendom where they say these gifts no longer operate. They'll tell you those gifts went away with the apostles. I tell you no way. These gifts are absolutely in operation today. They are absolutely available to us today. The question is, will we make ourselves open for the benefit and profit of all? Someone say a good amen. So here we go. Point number one, and each point is going to be what this particular gift is. So point number one is a word of wisdom. Everybody say that. Let me say a word of wisdom. It is defined as a divine answer or solution for a particular event. A divine answer or solution for a particular event. There is a kind of wisdom that comes from just staying alive. It's experiential, right? You touch the hot pot on the stove, you burn your fingers, you learn, don't touch the hot pot again. How many know what I'm talking about? Experience has taught you. I like how Dave Ramsey says, he says, some of us pay stupid tax, right? We learn we don't like stupid tax, so we make better financial decisions. Life just teaches you to make better decisions the older you get. How many know what I'm talking about? You just get wiser. But that's not what the emphasis here. There are some people that are just seem to be wiser than others. Listen. Wisdom has taught me, don't mess with Holly, especially before her morning coffee. Amen. But this is a different thing. The word of wisdom means an expression of wisdom at a specific moment for a specific person. This is not a showy gift. These gifts are not, these three revealing gifts, they're not showy stuff. You may not even have known that you said a word of wisdom. You just said something to somebody, walked away, you were casual, forgot about what you said 30 seconds later, but to that person, it exploded in them, and that is what they needed to hear from God. Has anybody ever had someone say something to you, they walked away, but for you, it was like, oh my gosh, that was God. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Absolutely. That's, that's called a word of wisdom. While speaking... You may hear for the very first time the very thing they're hearing for the first time. You're both hearing it for the first time. That's happened to me preaching the gospel. Many times I'm preaching away and I'm preaching something. And as I'm saying it, you and I are both hearing it for the same time, for the first time at the same time. And y'all are like, man, that was so good. And I'm thinking, yes, it was. I don't know where it came from, but it was great. <laughs> Amen. God makes you look good sometimes. It really operates in counsel. So watch this. You're in a staff meeting, you're in a, a board meeting, and you're trying to figure out a solution to a problem, and someone says, hey, what if we did this? And everybody else in the room goes, ah, that's it. That's what we're supposed to do. That was more than likely not just some lucky guess or some random thought. That was more than likely when it comes to church stuff or Christianity stuff or ministry stuff, that was more than likely someone operating in the gift of word of wisdom that spoke it out, it resonated with everybody else, and immediately everyone knew that's what we're supposed to do. Has anybody experienced that before? In a staff meeting, a board meeting, or anything like that? Anybody ever seen anything like that before? A few of us? Okay. Well, it's pretty cool when it happens. Uh, I was struggling over a decision one time, and, uh, and, and our staff pastor could tell at the time, he was like, this was before church, and he said, man, he said, uh, he said are you all right? Some, some, I said, man, I'm just... I'm torn this morning. I got to make a decision now. And I'm just half of me. I feel like I know the right thing to do, but I'm not sure. And I'm, I'm just torn. And he just looked at me so cavalier. And he goes, oh, well, that's easy. He said, go where the peace is. He said, Jesus is the prince of peace. And he'll never lead you to do something that he doesn't give you peace about. 
And he just casually walked off, and I wanted to smack him in the back of his head. But it, went, it was like a bomb inside of me. I was like, well, of course Jesus would give you peace about everything he leads you to do. Otherwise, he'd be counterproductive. And if I lack that peace, that means I'm not supposed to do that. So I immediately did what I, what I felt like the Lord was leading me to do. And when I did what I did that morning, two, a young couple, two of them, got saved. And he became one of the elders in our church. And I actually heard from him about three months ago. He's actually pastoring his own church now. They're on fire for God. They're raising their kids for the Lord. And it all happened because I decided to follow the advice, the word of wisdom that God spoke through a staff pastor to me in that moment. It changed a family's destiny. That's what a word of wisdom will do for you. Someone say amen. So wisdom is life application. It's a, it's a way of thinking. It's an application of truth. So let's go to the second one because the second one I'm going to spend a little more time on and the third one I'm really going to spend some time on. So there's a word of wisdom and number two, there's a word of knowledge. Everybody say word of knowledge. A word of knowledge means to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. In other words, there's no way you could have possibly known what you know and you say it to somebody, maybe you're at the altar praying for someone, and you say, hey, does this mean anything to you? And they look at you like, man, their eyes are about this big, and they say, how did you know that? I've had people tell me at the, at, as they're going out the door before, and they'll say, man, you got a camera in my house or something? How do you know all that about my life? Well, it ain't me, it's the Holy Ghost, amen? Knowledge is different than wisdom. Knowledge is a specific fact. It is the way you know something. The Holy Spirit reveals something to you about someone else for their benefit without private knowledge. It's just, you just know that you know. A preacher was praying for a lady at the altar, and she was getting, she was a full-grown adult by many years. And she said, I've had these migraines almost all my life. Would you pray God heal me? And he said, instantly, he said, I immediately zoned out. He said, I saw a vision of a little girl in a blue dress, standing outside a screen door, clutching her hands and crying. The lady's eyes got big. She said, I know exactly what that means. She said, that little girl was me. She said, I was 10 years old, and she said, my mother hated me. She didn't want me. I had four older brothers, and the youngest of the older brothers was, was 10 years older than me. She said, that was my 10th birthday. She said, I got two presents that day. She said, one was a blue dress I had on from a neighbor. She said, the second one, my aunt sent me a card with a $10 bill in it. And my mom grabbed the $10 bill and said, what does a 10-year-old need with $10? And gave it to my brother. She said, I walked outside. I slammed the screen door. I clutched my hands and I said, I hate you. I hate you. And she started crying. And she said, as a matter of fact, she said, do you know? I've had migraine headaches and been sick ever since that day I spoke hatred towards my mom. She repented of that. God healed her on the spot. She went through decades. That pastor told me, he said, I could have gone through 10 years of psychotherapy and analysts and never figured out that was the problem. That was a word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit, for that lady to get healed and delivered from migraine headaches. And the hatred she had toward her own mom. Folks, that's how it works. Open yourself up. Quit describing things as hunches. 
Listen, you don't have to make a big public thing. Just offer it. Don't, don't think when you're praying for someone, well, I just have a hunch. It could be a word of knowledge that that person needs to be set free. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Many times I have felt something physical. I've, I had this physical problem for a couple of days. And I think, what is going on here? And I just, man, I'm rebuking the devil in this attack. And I was on Saturday night and I'm praying. And I'm saying, what's going on? And then it finally hits me because I'm not the wisest guy in there. And it's like the Holy Spirit says it's because someone's coming in tomorrow to church. And this is what they're dealing with. And the Lord has done that many times. Emotionally, I have been that way before. I, there's been some sour nights where I have been so depressed, I didn't even want to get out of bed, let alone come to preach the gospel. I think, what is wrong with me? And then the Holy Spirit reveals it's because someone's coming in like that. And they need deliverance and they need freedom. And then I'll, every single time that has happened, I've said, hey, is anybody dealing with this? And every time they are, and usually God heals them and delivers them. Someone say Amen. Basically, you are prompted by the Holy Spirit to call someone or do something, and there's no other way you could know unless God told you. I mean, it can be the bottom of the seventh inning, and you're up there down by one, and the Holy Spirit says, slider's coming. And Dansby Swanson says, thank you for that word of knowledge. Boom, out. And then because Atlanta Braves are God's team, he sends Jorge Soler up there, and he says, well, slider was the last pitch, but you're getting fastball down the middle. You be ready. And clap, ah, ah, home run, and we're on the way to victory. That's how word of knowledge works. Someone say a good amen. Let's hope it works tonight. Amen. They're not showy big things. Mostly happens in interaction. You just have a thought, and the thought turns out to be right. It's not some big, you're not Charleston Heston up there going, God said. It's nothing like that. It can be in a basic conversation and someone says it or you say it. And all of a sudden they're like, that's what I needed to hear. And you're like, what? What did you need to hear? You're trying to, what, I don't know, what did I say? And you, you see what the Holy Spirit was speaking through you and you didn't even know it. And you just offer it to them. You don't try to shove it down your throat. God said you're going to take it whether you like it or not. That's not what you do. You just say, hey, man, this is what I feel like God has put. Here's a thought I have. There's been many times that I've done that in the altar, and I said, listen, if this means nothing to you, cast it out and throw it out. But maybe this is what God is wanting to speak to you. Here's what I was seeing. Here's what I thought. And almost every time they go, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, yeah. How could you know that? I, said, I don't, but the Holy Spirit does. And I'm telling you, when God does that with people, they get very open to the moving of the Spirit very quickly. Because, man, that's God working on them. Can someone say a good amen? amen? Be sensitive to the thoughts that enter your mind when praying for someone. It is not just me. It can be anybody in this room. God can speak a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge through you to help that person. Why would God do that? Because he loves that person and he wants them to get what they need. Did you know that the only way God is going to speak on this earth is through the Bible and people? He might give you an audible voice. I know a few people that have heard the audible voice of God once, maybe twice in their life. I never have. I, I thought I kind of had, but I, I don't think it was. But I want to tell you, God speaks through us. We've got to be willing to say, here's, here's the thought I have. Okay, if you miss it, you miss it. It's all right. It's not going to hurt anything. You know, if they say, well, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. So, okay. Well, it was a thought anyway. So, no, no harm, no foul. 
A preacher had an altar call one night. A lady came up. She was blind. She said, I want to be healed. And when the preacher went to pray for her, he said he had the thought, said, let's pray for Brad first. So he said, hey, um, why don't we pray for Brad first? All of a sudden, her face contorted. She said, Brad's my ex-husband. May he burn in hell. She said, well, he said, well, I think we know where we got to go with this altar call. <laughs> How could you even describe that other than that had to be the Holy Spirit? Defining what was exactly wrong. I've had this situation uh, in, in my life and so many times. I've had someone come up and say, I need you to pray for so-and-so, and I just feel in my spirit. They're not even close to being right with God. And I'll say, you know what? I want to pray for them because that's important. But what about you? Where's your relationship with God? And they start crying and weeping, and they say, man, I'm a mess. I had a guy come up to me one time, and he come up, and I'm telling you, you could tell he was hard-hearted. He was far from God. I'm not even sure why he was in church that Sunday. He said, preacher, he said, I, I need you to pray. God, deliver my wife a smoking. I said, well, we're going to pray for that because that's important. But where is your life with Christ? Head goes down. I said, man, Jesus loves you, and he wants to help your wife quit smoking, but he wants to get you out of hell. He's died on the cross for you. He's, he's, he's willing to save you right now. He loves you, and it gives you an opportunity to pray immediately. You just, you just know that. Is that is, can, can that happen to any of you? Of course it can. Don't reject the thoughts that enter your mind, especially when you're praying for someone or you're worshiping. Word of knowledge can work together with your senses, but it can also go in the opposite direction. What do I mean by that? Uh, a, a pastor was praying for a young lady to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as he was, he saw a little girl just taking batting practice. She was hitting one baseball after the other. And, and she was saying to herself, keep your head down, keep your head down, keep your glove on the ground, keep your glove on the ground. And all of a sudden, she screamed out and she said, I hit like a girl because I am a girl. She said with tears streaming down her face, my dad wanted a boy, and all he got was me. And that preacher walked her through some healing and ministry. She got healed, delivered, and baptized in the Holy Spirit right on the spot. Folks, that is God. That's the way the gifts of the Spirit operate to profit everyone. Someone say amen. And it's not, these are just stories I'm, I'm telling you from preachers I know or from myself. But I'm telling you, they can work through all of us. Is that all right? I was meeting with a young man one time in my office, and he was just very bitter towards church. He was bitter towards, and he just, he began to divulge, and he began to say, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I hate church. And, and, I, and, I, and I just, I don't want to be there, he said, because of all the hypocrisies of my dad, who was the pastor. He was unloving. He was a hypocrite. And it's just turned me off. And he said, I'm miserable inside. And when he said that, a word of knowledge hit my spirit. And I said, I'll tell you what your problem is. He said, what's that? I said, God's called you to preach. God's called you to minister the gospel. But you don't want to because you're afraid you're going to wind up like your dad. He just busted out crying. He started, oh, my God. He said, I, I never saw that before. And we had a time of great ministry. How would I possibly know that that was a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit for that man that needed to hear that? Glory to God. 
one service, I, I can't even tell you the times that God has shifted the service on me and the way I thought it was going, and then the way he directed it. I was preaching one day on a message like this, something totally, and I just, the thought hit me, someone here has got plans to carry out and commit suicide right here. And I stopped and I said, and I thought, well, what do I need to do? And the Lord, the Lord instantly, he said, ask everybody, raise their hand if they've ever thought to commit suicide or put a plan to it. Man, there's half the congregation raised their hand. I said, if you've actually put a plan on paper or in your head and you've actually thought it out how you were going to commit suicide, what you were going to do, I'd like for you to come to this altar because someone is going to get freedom here today. And I'm telling you, the whole place, people were crying. And I said, now, I said, for those of you, if there's anybody in here that you've got a, a literal plan in place to commit suicide, I want you to come because these people have been there and God set them free and God will do it for you. And there was four or five people that got out of their chairs and they could barely walk to the front. They were weeping and crying. There were four or five people that Sunday that were literally contemplating committing suicide. How on earth would I know that if it wasn't the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit worked through me to save four or five lives because God loves people. If you hear nothing else I say, hear this. Why does God release the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because he loves people. And therefore the prophet of all. Someone say amen. Yeah. Woo, isn't God good? Somebody shout glory. glory. I get excited about what God does. Just because another person misses it doesn't mean you miss it. You receive it. Again, it's not about, well, what gift am I operating in? No, it's about, is that person receiving from God what they need in their life? It is never about us. It is always about, is that person getting what they need from God? It's about ministry flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. Someone shouting, man, ask God to make you sensitive. Don't be afraid to share a thought. How many have ever had a thought to share with someone and it kind of ate you up, you didn't, and you found out later, boy, I should have said that. Has that ever happened to anybody? Boy, I should have told them. And it's not I told them, it's a, you presented in love. Hey, this is what I feel like God is saying. I, I don't, you do what, what you want, but this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying. Someone say amen. And the third one is, and this, listen, if you're going to be a pastor of a 21st century church or you're going to be a parent in a 21st century home, I believe this is the number one gift you should pray for. Huh. Oh. The third gift is discerning of spirits. Everybody say discerning of spirits. It, it literally means to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. It is the Greek word diakrisis, which literally means to see through. You see through something. How many of you have ever been around someone who says they're a Christian, they have the talk, but you see through something is not adding up. My spirit is not bearing witness with that spirit. That is discerning of spirits telling you something is not right with that person. It doesn't say gift of discernment. It says discerning of spirits. Now, I know it's a play on words here, but there is no gift of discernment in the Bible. It's discerning of spirits, and it happens spontaneously. People that tell you they have the gift of discernment and they walk in it all the time usually have the gift of criticism. Amen? 
What these people really mean is I can judge anybody spiritually that I want and I'm going to. That's really the attitude they have. Because again, the gift comes by the Holy Spirit's will spontaneously for the benefit of all. Right? So as, like I said, as a minister of the church or as a parent in a home, that should be the number one gift we pray for. Why? Pray for God to show you what is really going on here. Pray, God, show me what's really going on. When, 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 and I know Haley wouldn't mind. All, all my kids have had moments. We, you know, we've all been there and done that. And I, I will never forget that one time Haley just wasn't right and we knew it. And we're like, God, show us. Man, God woke Holly up in the middle, three o'clock in the morning, said, Go check her phone. She went there and grabbed the phone, and Holly and Haley were having a tug of war over her phone because Haley wasn't wanting to see what was on that phone. And we knew immediately God was showing, he was revealing. There's so many times that we've busted our kids red-handed. It's like, you know what? Hey, I'm sorry, but you got spirit-filled parents, and God will tell on you. <laughs> and you won't thank God now, but there'll be a day you'll say, thank God. And there'll actually be a day you'll say when you're raising your kids, God, speak to me about me, kids. Because they're knuckleheads like me. Amen. Praise God. How many know what I'm talking about? How many times has this happened? Generally, listen, listen. Generally, men and pastors are the worst at discerning stuff going on. Which means I'm like the double whammy. So here's what God does. God will give you the Holy Spirit. And in my case, God also gave me a Holy Spirit. And I'm being serious when I say this. Men, most of the time, you stink at discernment. Most of the time, the women can just... It's like walking in the room and you just... Something don't smell right. A man can walk in a room at a party and have a great time. He's oblivious to everything. Talk to four guys the whole time. Has no idea what their names are. Nothing. And he'll go, man, it's the greatest Christmas party of all time. Who'd you talk to? I, I don't know. <laughs> what did it look like? Well, I don't know that either. What color shirt? I don't know. I just had a good time. But you let that woman walk in that room and she knows everything. Oh, there's some tension over here. Oh, there's something going on over here. Oh, I'm staying away from that joker right there. Mm -hmm. And she, uh-huh. And oh, I see that little uh, lady got her eye on my man. He going to stay on this side of the party today. How many know what I'm talking about? Y'all are laughing because it's true. The women usually excel better in this. Why am I saying this? Because listen, men. If you ever make a decision that your wife is saying, I'm not too sure about this, don't do it. Every time in 26 years of marriage that Holly said, Dallas, I'm just not sure about this, and I railroaded through and did it anyways, I went back and thought, God, why did I not listen to her? Yeah. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> that amen was too loud and too boisterous. <laughs> I got a friend. He went, decided since he owned his own business and he was making money and his wife was at home with the kids, he decided he wanted a fishing boat, so he went and bought one. While he's hooking the boat up in the trailer, his wife pulls up next. She says, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm buying me a boat. She said, didn't you think we should talk about it? He said, well, I figured I made all the money. I'd do what I want. Listen, if you're newlywed, that is not how you do things. 
Let me just tell you from experience, and that wasn't me, by the way, but let me tell you from experience, that's going south in a hurry, folks. She said, oh, really? So she just kind of drove off and didn't think about it. So he calls me up. He says, hey, man, I got this place. We're going to go hunting. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get that boat out. We're going to go up the river, and we're going to come in the backside of this public land. Nobody goes out there. The big bucks are out there. It's going to be great. We're going to do it. So we got out there, got in that boat. We went about 100 yards down that river, and, man, the engine stopped. And all of a sudden, man, we're oaring in the middle of the night. Water's flying everywhere. We get to shore. He's like, what's wrong with this crazy engine? So, man, he loads it up. Well, he gets it all fixed. He comes back, calls me back. About two weeks later, he said, well, I decided I was going hunting again. He said, I got about 50 yards down the river, and the engine went out again. He said, only I was by myself. So I'm paddling that boat, and I'm paddling. I said, uh, Jeff, do you think maybe that... This is going on because you just railroaded your way to that and told your wife you made all the money. He started laughing. He goes, yeah, I do. He said, I've decided I'm selling it. <laughs> Listen to me. If you're married and your wife is a praying woman of God like mine is, and she says, I I'm just not sure about this, you better hit T for time out and go back to the prayer closet or you will regret 100% of the time the decision you're about to make. Ladies, give it up for me. I just gave you some big props. Amen. Because it's true. I was pulling into a, I was pulling into, a, we were, Holly and I were in college, we were pulling into, to go to a movie, and I, I, as the tires hit there, something came over me and said, do not get out of this car and do not go in that movie. And it just, it shook me. It terrified me. I said, Holly, we can't go. And she said, why? I said, I don't know. But here's what happened, and we got out of there. I don't know what happened. I don't know what would have happened, but I know God got us out of there. I can't even count the amount of times that discernment has hit me. When I was in college, working campus safety at night, that's what I did uh, because I could study all night and still do my... Anyways, one night, I had the awfulest feeling of discernment. Something was wrong. I couldn't figure it out, and I got scared. We had Caitlin was a little baby at the time. So I called Holly in the middle of the night. I said, Holly, get Caitlin and go downstairs. We all kind of lived in these uh, apartments together. I said, go down to such and such a house. And I said, stay the night there because I said, something's wrong and I don't know what it is. I can't get peace. Something's eating me up. Something's wrong. And I couldn't figure out what it was. So I just prayed basically all through the night. Well, the next morning, my mom called me and she said, hey, she said, Maritza, which is my sister-in-law, went into labor last night, 26 weeks. Their son was born one pound, 14 ounces, 26 weeks. That's like really early. He lived the first three months of his life in a hospital. When he was born, his whole chest cavity was the size of a credit card. It could hold a credit card next to his, that was the size of his chest cavity. Not only did he make it, he's now an officer in the Air Force. Many of you have met him, Dylan, my nephew, and he's done very well. But I was too inexperienced to understand what... To, to think, and God, what are you trying to tell me what's going on here? Listen, discernment can make or break you. Napoleon Bonaparte said this, I tell you, Wellington is a bad general. The English are bad soldiers. We will settle the matter by lunchtime. Did you know that Napoleon said this over breakfast with his generals just before the Battle of Waterloo in 1815, in which he was soundly defeated? 
Thomas J. Watson, the chairman of IBM in 1943, said, I think there is a world market for about five computers. Boy, was he wrong. A month before his dis uh, disappearance in 1975, Jimmy Hoffa said, I don't need bodyguards. Some of Israel's greatest victories, listen, were won when David was king. When you study the makeup of his army, here's something many miss. It's not always just about physical abilities, but here's what it says about his army in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. Of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. He had an army full of guys that had discernment and knew exactly where they should be and exactly what they should do. And that was part of why they were victorious. Wasn't it the Holy Spirit that told David when he took on the Philistines head on and they came back a second time and he said, God, we're going to get them head on again. And God said, no, no, not this time. Boys, you're going to hang on at mulberry trees and wait. When you hear the sound of marching in the mulberry trees, that's when you know it's time to go back out. We're going to do this differently this time. Just because something worked one way doesn't mean it works the same way the next time. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen. amen. Discernment enables you to see the doors of opportunity where others see brick walls. It'll save you from life pitfalls. It'll show you what you ought to do and what you should refrain from doing. Discernment will say, well, that sounds good, but something just not setting right here. Anybody ever been there? Discernment will also say, this does not sound good, but in here I know it's right. <laughs> I.e., 3 o'clock in Harrison. Amen. In the 1940s, Switzerland manufactured 80% of the world's watches. A man in the 1960s had a new design for a watch, presented it to a Swiss company. They rejected it handily. As a matter of fact, every Swiss watch company said, we don't want none of it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Feeling like his idea was still valuable and had merit, he went to a company in Japan and presented his idea to a company named Seiko. The idea he had was a digital watch. Now, 80% of the watches sold in the world are all digital. The Swiss blew it. One discernment-driven decision can change the course of your entire life or bless others. So how do I get discernment? Well, when we're talking about the gift of discernment, and I'm almost done here, we're talking about God spontaneously letting you know something's not passing the smell test. Have you ever listened to a preacher and you think, nah, something don't smell right with this. I hear the words, but something ain't lining up just right. Have you ever had someone say something to you and you say, well, it sounds good, but it's just not passing the sniff test. Anybody ever been there before? That's probably discernment saying something ain't right. But you know you can get God-given discernment and shaped by scriptures. That's why you should be in the scriptures at all times. Look what Hebrews 5, 13 through 14 says. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. So he's talking about getting the word in. Watch this. Why? But solid food, the word of God, is for the mature. Watch this. Who because of practice have their senses trained to discerning good and evil. Why are there extra letters in there? That is very interesting to me. 
Anyways, who because of practice, watch this, have their senses trained discerning evil. You can get so full of the word of God that you recognize when something's not right. That is my goal as pastor of this church is to fill you with truth, 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 truth. So when you hear something that's not truth, you say something ain't right there. Can someone say a good amen? The word of God will help you discern between good and evil. Discerning of spirits can make the, help you make the right decision and change someone else's life or your own or your own eternity. So these three gifts, listen, you kind of sense. They're not going to hit you like a lightning bolt. You're not going to hear God say, hey, tell this person this. You're just going to have a thought. You're going to have something in your spirit that's just leading you a certain way. Um, your demonstration of the gift is proportional to your level of responsibility. That is the reason the discerning of spirits is so important to a pastor because their level of responsibility is very high. Every time you operate in the gift, listen, something is happening for others, but something is happening in you as well. Learn where you blow it and what that feels like and learn where you hit a home run and what that feels like. You learn it. It's by faith. And if you operate in discerning of spirits from time to time, don't allow discernment to make you cynical. Listen, there is not a devil under every bush. Is that okay? You ever met someone like that? Oh, the devil did it. No, the pipe broke. The devil didn't do it. The pipe's 100 years old and rusted out. I need a new pipe. Well, he kicked the side of it. Oh, my Lord, come on now. The discernment can also be good. Maybe you go hear someone preach. I'm almost done. Maybe you go hear someone preach, and the teaching goes against what you were formally trained and taught to believe, but yet something inside of you says, that's right. Then there are times you go hear someone preach, and you say, well, it sounds good, but something doesn't feel right about this. Ever been there? That's the Holy Spirit leading you. Maybe you, maybe you, you can operate. Listen, you can all, everyone can operate in any one of these gifts. And God can drop them on you spontaneously as he wills. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads?